Hello, how we doing Parkview? Yeah, welcome, welcome this weekend uh, all around Chicagoland, around here at Orland, everybody in New Linux, Homer Glenn, everybody online, glad you are here for week number two of this series called Should Happens. We're talking about how to move from that should life to the good life. And I'm glad you've made the choice to be here. And uh, all around our campuses, I know you see these books all over out there. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about this adventure we're in together on that. Uh, a lot of you picked up the book last weekend. And some of you, it's been fun to interact with you uh, this week. Uh, some of you have already read the entire book. Um, you are definitely overachievers. And uh, way to go on that. And you're handing the book off and that sort of thing. Some of you are thinking, well, Todd, I, I don't really read uh, books. And I'm thinking, that's fine, you know, but, but you should, right? So I see some doing that. You should uh, read books. So you can, get, you can pass it on to someone else who is maybe underneath the weight of a lot of shoulds in their life and uh, help them get freedom from that. And then I also want you to know uh, that, that I have a huge heart uh, for feeding kids and taking care of kids, giving value to kids uh, who, are, who are hungry. And so part of the big project and endeavor for this book is this, that each book feeds a child for two weeks. And so we're able not only to get books, but we're able to feed uh, all kinds of kids. We have enough books around our Parkview campuses during this series, get this, to feed a hundred kids for a whole year. A hundred kids for a whole year, which is pretty cool, right? It's, it's really, really amazing. And, and there's thousands and thousands of us around here at Parkview, so I'm, just, I'm asking you to jump in today, join in. Uh, whether you read or not, you should, uh, but uh, pick up a book, give it to someone else, and feed uh, a bunch of kids uh, in this endeavor that we're in with the should happens. Uh, so when we think about the shoulds, uh, here's really what we're thinking about to get us all in the same direction. The shoulds are the expectations that we place on ourselves, on others, and on God. And if you were around here last weekend when we kicked things off, you know that our topic last weekend was that we should on ourselves. We a lot of times put these weights and these pressures on ourselves about how we should be living, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And if you did miss that message, please go back and uh, watch that, pick up the book. It talks all about it and just learn about how we should on ourselves and help begin to find some freedom from the weight of those shoulds in your life. This week, we're continuing on uh, and we're talking about how we should on others. We should on other people in our life. And a lot of times they're good shoulds. Todd, I have good shoulds for people. They should do them. I know. And we're going to talk about how to achieve that this weekend. So to get us all in the mood for this message, here's what I want us to do. I want us to think about job descriptions. If you have a job, you probably have some sort of job description. You, you have some sort of set of expectations on what you should be doing at that job uh, this week, I went and found some just kind of fun job expectations, job postings that I thought would be good to get us going in the same direction. Here's the first one. Wanted, grape stompers, must have good balance and large feet. <laughs> Skinny folk need not apply. <laughs> so that's kind of the, that's your job description if you would want to do something like that. Or what about this? Looking for 15 energetic individuals to replace 15 lazy people. <laughs> entry level positions so we need that's we just need people to kind of get to work actually this one was a little strange wanted 
Someone to grind or chew hay for a horse with bad teeth. Contact James Bud Williams. So just reach out to Bud uh, if you have uh, insight into that job. And then here's, here's the last one here. Wanted, part-time, salesperson who won't quit after two months, who works hard and doesn't think she's doing me a favor by working here, who can take a joke and won't cry every day on the floor. Right? And apply within. So there's a whole lot of shoulds there, right? You should do this. You should not do this. And, and, and that sort of thing. And these are just kind of funny, I know. But here's what isn't nearly as funny. And, and that is that I have job descriptions for pretty much all of you. Pretty much everyone I meet, I have a job description for them. And the truth is, you probably do as well. Pretty much everybody in your life, you have this secret job description of what you really want them to do. We have pretty explicit expectations of other people in our lives, whether they know it or not. In fact, this week I, I took some time and wrote up some of these job descriptions maybe that we have for other people in our lives. I took a stab at it. Maybe it's something like this. For your husband or wife, when I'm talking, I need you to listen. And when you're talking, I need to keep doing whatever I'm doing, but I'll nod my head like I'm listening. That's kind of the job description, maybe going back and forth between husband and wife, or maybe for your friend. You should always offer to drive me to the airport, and you should never ask me to drive you to the airport. That's, you know, our relationship. That's what I want it to be about, okay? Or what about for your parents? Let me live my life, right? Just let me live my life, parents. Or maybe how about for your child? Let me live your life. Can I live your life, son? Honey, can I live your life, right? And, and I know you have a job description for me, for your pastor, right? And that is make sure you have a great sermon every week that is challenging, but not too challenging, that is practical, but not so practical that I feel guilty, and that is funny, but not only jokes, right? So no big deal, Todd, no pressure. Just kind of if you could do that, that would be awesome. And, of course, I have job description for you, and that is to laugh at all my jokes, whether you think they're funny or not. So that's just kind of the way I, I, I want it to be, and I write that up for you all, right? And, and the truth is we all have these secret job descriptions for other people in our lives. And when people don't meet up to our job descriptions, we're pretty good at making them feel guilty about not meeting up to those things that we're thinking for them in their lives. And, and the way this oftentimes begins, so, so how do I should on other people? Here's kind of what I've traced back in my life and other people's lives. Here's how it begins a lot of times when we should on other people. We say something like this, either out loud or in our minds, we say this. I know I'm not perfect, but, right, and then we go on. So it's like this. I know I'm not perfect, so we put some shoulds on ourselves, right? We put a little bit of shoulds on ourselves, and then we feel like that gives us permission to just should all over everyone else, right? So, I, I listen, 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 listen. I know I'm not perfect. There's things I should do, okay? But they really should. He should, she should. So when we should on ourselves, that all of a sudden gives us a free pass to just should on everyone else in our lives. And this is kind of how this begins to start. In fact, there's a great example of this in the Bible, shooting on other people. And it's a story that maybe you've even heard before in your life, and I want us to dig into it for just a little bit. It's Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, Jesus is interacting with a group of people. And it says, Jesus and his disciples are on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha had opened their home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So, so here's what we have here. We have Martha shooting on Mary. Martha has a job description for her sister Mary, and that is when I'm doing all the preparations, you should be helping me, right? You, you should be helping me do all these things. She has expectations for her sister, and her sister is not meeting her expectations. And this shows us kind of the simple succession or the slippery slope, if you will, of how we can easily should on other people in our lives. Here's the simple succession of this. First of all, we have secret job descriptions and expectations for other people. We do this all the time. Number two, these people are completely unaware of our expectations that we have for them in their lives. So what happens? Number three, they quickly fail to meet those expectations. And then what happens? Number four, we get angry with them and should all over them. Right? So we have job descriptions for everyone. Here's what I think you should be doing. They are completely unaware of what we're thinking oftentimes in our mind. So they fail to meet those expectations oftentimes. And we get angry and should all over them. And when you think about this, when you really dive into it, these, these secret job descriptions or these expectations we have of other people, these private job descriptions, a lot of times, here's the truth, not always, but a lot of times, they're really meant to serve us. Here's what I need you to do in, in your world to help me out in my world. And when we should on other people, oftentimes it's kind of like we're taking the place of God in these people's lives. We say things like, listen, listen, okay, here's the truth. I know what you should be doing. Okay, listen, I have, I have plans for your life that I need you to know about. They're good, but I have plans for you. And, and you've seen this verse, right, in the Bible that talks about this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It's a very famous verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has great plans for our lives. And, and what happens a lot of times when, when you and I should on other people, what happens is we're kind of take, taking God's place in their life and we begin to have plans for their lives. And it's not Jeremiah 29.11 anymore. It becomes Todd 29.11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares Todd. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to do what I want now and into the future, right? Just, just fill in your name. You know what? It, it is so easy. Listen to this. It's so easy for me to have plans for you. It is. It's so easy for me to know what you should do. I can think about that all day long. And when we should on other people, a lot of times it's like we're playing God for them in their life. I think, think about this with Mary and Martha. Martha actually has Jesus in her house. She, she has God in the flesh in her living room, but yet she still felt like she should 
control some of her sister's behavior and what she should be doing. I know, I know, listen, I know God is here, but here's what you should be doing, right? It, it's just kind of amazing. It's kind of crazy. And, and listen to Jesus' reply to, to Martha. Martha, Martha, he just says it twice here, but I think he's like, Martha, 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 Martha. I, I think he does it a lot of times, okay? I, I, I can't prove that, but I think that's what he does. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is best. What she is doing is what she should do. She's chosen what is best, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha thought she knew what was best for her sister. Turns out, she didn't. Martha thought it was okay for her to should on her sister. Turns out, she shouldn't, right? And here's why this gets so hard. When you really get into this and start studying this, Mary and Martha are applying this to our lives even this weekend. Here's, here's why this gets so hard, and that is because Martha had good shoulds for her sister, right? I mean, the, the shoulds that Martha had for her sister were reasonable shoulds, right? Everybody say reasonable. They're reasonable shoulds. I mean, she has Jesus coming over, right? Jesus and his disciples are coming over to their house. And the Bible says there's all kinds of preparations that need to be made. If you have someone coming over, especially if you have Jesus coming over, there's things you need to do. There's some cleaning that probably needs to be done. You have the disciples coming over, so you have bedrooms to get ready. You have cooking uh, to get going. You, you probably need to get to Costco, right, if, 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 somebody's, if Jesus is coming over. So these are all kinds of good things that are going on. Jesus is going to arrive at, at Martha's house, and, and so there's all kinds of good preparations. But what happens is, is Mary just seems to kind of be being lazy and sitting at Jesus' feet. And I'm sure Martha had this conversation with her. Martha's going, hey, Mary, hello, help me, help me out. I know what you should be doing. Look, we got a lot of people coming over, and you're not helping me. She had good shoulds for her sister. And I want to take a time out here, and I want to talk about this for a moment. I want to talk about the good shoulds. Because for so many of us, we have good shoulds, all kinds of of good things that other people really should do, probably in their lives, whether it's our friends, our kids, our grandkids, somebody at work. So, so here's the question. Is the, is the way to get people to do what they should, is the way to get them to do that through guilt or through grace? Which is more powerful in people's lives, guilt of the shoulds or the grace of what somebody should do? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this, which works better for me in my life, just personally. When people try and guilt me into things, a lot of times I become resentful. If they try and catch me off guard and, hey, Todd, you know, you really should have and you shouldn't have done that. And, and listen, even if it's true. Even if it's a good should, even if it's something I know inside that I should probably be doing that, if they just kind of come to me and try and guilt me into it, I oftentimes get resentful and I kind of push them away and they, lose, they begin to lose their voice with me 
if they just try and guilt me into things. On the other side, when people offer grace to me, hey, Todd, I know that's kind of where you were, and I've been there too. Believe me, I know this is difficult, but man, have you ever thought about this? When people come to me in a different tone and they give me grace instead of guilt, then I become responsive. And I start saying, you know what? I, you're right. That's what I'm doing. That's where I'm living. I probably need to change some things around. And I'm much more responsive to that sort of thing. And, and listen, there is all kinds of good shoulds we have for people in our lives. There's so many examples of this. Let, let me just give you one example and kind of how we sift through this. Uh, my wife, Renee, and I, uh, we have been married now for 29 years, 29 years of marriage, which is pretty uh, incredible, right? And pretty crazy. Um, we got married when we were seven years old. Uh, so it's, it's, we're in our mid-20s now, and it's, it's just been really good so far. Uh, 29 years uh, we've been married. And uh, we have a daughter, however, Ruby, who's only been married for about three or four months. They're newlyweds. And, and how many of you know? There are all kinds of things that newlyweds should do, right? We have lots of shoulds for people who just get married. In fact, I wrote some of these down this last week for, for the newlyweds. You should not eat out all the time, okay, anymore. You should start cooking at home so you can save money, right? Or you should keep dating each other even though you got married. You should not go to bed angry with each other or mad, at each other. You should still take walks together. You should create and live off of a financial budget as you're getting married so you can figure out your finances better together. You should not compare your brand new marriage to someone who's been married for a few years or a few decades, right? There's, there's an endless list, honestly, of good shoulds for people who are just getting married. Nobody would argue that you should take walks and you should live off of a budget. Those are all good things. Just like there's a huge list of good shoulds for people in your life who maybe are battling some addiction. There are things they should probably do if they're battling an addiction. For people in your life who are involved in an inappropriate relationship, there's things they should probably do Honestly, right? There's some good shoulds for, for people, for individuals or families who are, who are in debt financially, big time. There's definitely, if you're in debt, there's some good things that, that you should do in your life to get out from underneath some of that debt. There's good shoulds for so many people. And, and listen, close, listen closely on this. For those of you who have a relationship with somebody and the trust and the position with somebody like we're talking about that has an addiction or financial debt or is newly married or whatever, there are definitely times when you should have permission to just go to them and say, listen, I know here's where you're at, but you should really be thinking about this. Or, or you should realize you're getting ready to wreck a lot. You should have permission to go to somebody and just kind of lay it out there at certain times, you and I should do that if we have trust and relationship with that person. But I'll also tell you this. A lot of times, what that does when we go and should on people and tell them what to do, it brings guilt big time into their lives. And the guilt of the shoulds, oftentimes to other people, think about when it's been done to you, the guilt of the shoulds makes them feel like we are valuing them as less. Hey, I have all the answers, you don't, 
So listen to me. And here's what you got to realize. The shoulds and shame oftentimes travel together. And we're not really trying to shame someone. We're just trying to help them live the good life. But the should and shames, shame oftentimes travel together and the guilt of that. So here's the question for us today. Here's where we really get to the crux of it. How do you get others to do what you know they should do without just shoulding all over them? Right? That's the big question. Let me say it again. How do you get other people in your life that you care about to do what you know they should do without just shooting all over them? How does that happen? I'm glad you asked. Right? <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, Philippians chapter 2. If you have a smartphone or a tablet or just write down Philippians chapter 2, I think we find a huge part of the answer in Philippians chapter 2. You have this guy named Paul. And he's talking to us about how we should treat people. Here's how you should treat other people in your life. And here's what he says, Philippians chapter 2, specifically verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Those five words right there. Consider others better than yourselves. They can just flip my life upside down when it comes to other people. And the big reason, I think, is because when he says consider others, he doesn't really qualify this statement at all. Paul doesn't say, okay, consider other good people better than yourself. If he did that, I could probably be okay with that. He doesn't say consider other you know, wealthy people or other well-educated people. He doesn't say consider other generous people better than yourself. Paul just says, here's what you need to do. When it comes to other people, consider others better than yourself. And so I'm supposed to just stand here on a stage like this this weekend and look out across this room that I'm standing in. I'm just supposed to consider you and, and you and you and you and yeah, even you and you and you and you. I, I, listen, I'm just supposed to consider all of you better than me, better than myself. Everybody out at Homer Glen, you're better. Everybody at New Linux, believe it or not, you're better. You're better. Everybody's better than me. Here, here's what I need you to know. And I don't want to burst your bubble about me, but I don't like that. I don't. I'm not even sure it's true, right? I'm, I, it seems unreasonable to just think that everyone is better than me. And maybe you can relate to that. So, so here's the question. What is, what is Paul really talking about when he says that we should consider other people better than ourselves in our lives? Let's dig into this a little bit more. Uh, the word consider there is from the banking world or people who would do accounting, the accounting world. And what the word consider literally means is to place a value or to place a price tag on something or on someone. That's literally what the word consider means. And, and so what Paul is saying is this. Every single person that you and I come into contact with, we should place a value on them. We should place a price tag on them. And I know right now some of you are saying, well, Todd, okay, hello. That is easy. I do that all the time. I'm like a master at valuing people and, you know, sizing people up and that sort of thing. And I would say to you, I, I get it, and so am I. The issue is this. A lot of times when we place values on people, we end up valuing them as worth just a little bit less than us rather than worth just a little bit more 
than us. Remember last weekend we talked about the courtroom of our minds, how we always have the shoulds going around in our minds. And whenever we meet somebody, most of us are pretty good in the courtroom of our mind at sizing them up. Oh, they're just a little bit up here and I'm a little bit here. Or, or they're just a little bit down here and I'm about right here. And what happens oftentimes when you and I come into contact with people is that we value them as worth a little less. And here's what I would say. As I look around our world, and I even look at what's happened in my life this week to a friend, I would say this is why there's an epidemic of people in our world who feel worth less. Because even subconsciously, we don't mean to do it, we don't necessarily want to do it, I don't want to do it, but we should on others and we rob worth from them and value from them. And that's why there are millions and millions of people in the world who are about ready to throw in the towel on friendships and on relationships and things like that. That's why the truth is there are probably hundreds and hundreds of people around our Chicagoland campuses at Parkview who you have been should on by someone in your life. You have been valued as worth less rather than worth more in your life. And, and the truth is you're about ready to throw in the towel on relationships and people too. And then maybe you said to yourself, you know what, here's what I'll do. Last ditch effort. I'm going to try church. I'm going to come to church. And even at church, you begin to realize that others should on you. You should look like this. You should drive this car. You should wear these clothes, all kinds of things like that. And here's what I just want to say to us, Parkview. That cannot be. That cannot be. Every single person who steps foot on one of our campuses around Chicagoland, they should receive immediate value and they should receive immediate worth, not because of who we think they should be, but because of whose they are. Amen? That's just who we should be. It's true. And for some of us, and I would include myself in this, for some of us we probably need to discipline ourselves to put aside some of our own petty you know, differences with other people and put aside some of our own petty shoulds that we have with other people. And we should begin to consider and love and value everybody that God has placed around us, whether they are acting exactly like we think they should or not. We need to value them and love them and cherish them and give them kindness and give their hearts and their minds time to change. Give God time to work in their lives. We need to begin to place a price tag and value on other people that is just a little bit higher than our own. Here's, here's how this works out actually in, in our lives. If you're taking notes, the way to stop shitting on others is to value others the way we should. The way to stop shooting on other people is to value other people the way we should. I think this is uh, a huge, huge thing to everybody we come into contact with. And I know this is not easy. This is a mindset shift. But it's us placing price tags on people that's a little bit higher than our own. And I promise, because I've been experimenting with this in my life, here's what happens. When we value people the way God values people, we should on people less. It doesn't necessarily go away, 
There, there's still times that I wrestle with shooting on other people. There's still going to be times during the week where you're thinking, oh man, she really should, and they really should, and you're going to should on people. But listen, when you begin to value people the way God values people, I promise you, you will begin to should on people less. And that's the goal. Not to be perfect at this, but to make progress towards this in our lives. Maybe pause right here, and some of you might be saying, Todd, is this even possible? I mean, this sounds great, but is this even possible? And here's what I would say to you, for what it's worth. I'm really trying to live this way personally. I'm really trying to reorient my life to considering others better. That's why I talk about even the kids and, and giving to kids who just don't have food. I just, I, I don't know these kids, but I want, I, I, they're be, I want to put a price tag on these kids that's higher than my own and, and give anything that I have and that I could make and glean. I want them to be valued in that. That's, that's just the, it's what's going around in my life and I'm trying to live that way. I, I really, here's my dream. I really do want to be a part of a church and I bet this would be your dream too. I want to be a part of a church where it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It, it doesn't matter the make or model of your car. It doesn't matter if you own a big house or a small house. It doesn't matter if you're 25 years old or 65 years old. It doesn't matter if you own a bank or you just opened your first bank account. You receive immediate value and worth whenever you come into this place, not because of who we think you should be, but because of whose you are. You're a child of the king. That's a dream to be a part of a community like that that is just valuing and giving what we have to value other people. And it's exciting. When you start to live that way, it's cool to see what God does when we give what we have to put price tags on other people that is better. Let me pull this all together here today by just telling you a, a true story uh, that has happened in my life over the course of the last couple of years. As I've tried to experiment with this. It's the story of Juanita and her son, elementary age son named Max. Uh, we, we first met Juanita and Max, my wife and I did, back a couple of years ago now at a church in California. And uh, we, we met them and they, didn't ha they weren't talking to anybody. It didn't look like they have any friends. And so we just kind of go start talking to them because they were just kind of, you know, there. And, and so we, we, we found out that they didn't have really any friends around. They didn't have any family around town. And it was Thanksgiving time. And so we got back in touch with Juanita and Max, and we were having a bunch of friends come over to our house, new friends and old friends, to our backyard for Thanksgiving two years ago. And so we invited Juanita and Max and had no idea what they would do, but they decided to come. And so they came over to our house, and it is during that Thanksgiving afternoon where we realized, and Juanita basically told us, uh, explained that she has had a lot of people should on her through the years. And... She actually has no job. She's lost several jobs, and she's homeless. Her and her son are homeless. They have nowhere to go. A little bit later that afternoon, I'm out in the garage with Max, who's elementary age, and he is an excitable young man, and I'm trying to show him how to use a hammer and nail nails into a board and use screwdrivers and things like that. He was very excited about that. So he's nailing nails in and trying to build little things out of wood. And he gets done nailing a nail in and he stops and he looks up at me and he says, Todd, did you know that me and my mom live in our car? <laughs> and I said, uh, no, Max, I didn't know that. He said, yeah, I live in the back seat and that's where I get ready for school and that's where I go to school out of the back seat. 
And I'll tell you, I just, I began to have all kinds of shoulds. This should not be. This shouldn't happen to any mom and her kid. And to be honest with you, I'll tell you honestly, I began to should on Juanita. Man, how can you let this happen? And how can you let your little boy? And, and I'm sure Juanita could have should on me. I'm not sure that she did, but she certainly could have of what I should be doing in her life for her. Now, fast forward a couple of months. This is just two months ago. We run into Juanita again, and she tells us she's fallen in love and, uh, with this guy, and she's pregnant, and they're not married. And again, to be honest, the shoulds begin to creep up. And I start saying, oh, man, Juanita, you know, you're, you're pregnant, and you should be married, and, you know, all this kind of stuff, and I'm just starting to should on her mentally in my mind. And, and then I begin to realize, you know what, all of these shoulds that I have in my mind, these things that I think she should do, it's not going to change one thing that's going on in her life right now. And it's just going to bring some shame and guilt into her and her world. And so I just need to love on her and put a price tag on her that's higher than what I was going to and higher than my own. So here's what we did last Tuesday night. This is just a few days ago. Tuesday night, in our backyard, we threw a little baby shower for Juanita and a few of her friends to celebrate this baby that's coming into her life. And here's a picture of Juanita opening one of the gifts. There was about four or five presents that were brought to her from some of her friends. Here's a picture of Max holding one of those gifts Fourth or fifth grade young man just excited about these gifts, a puzzle for this new baby that's coming. And it's just so exciting to see what can continue to happen and how God can work in someone's life when I don't just declare on them everything they should be doing. They know that. People know that in our lives. But to celebrate them and to give them grace and continue to give kindness to them and give God time to work in their lives. It's amazing what can happen when we do that. In fact, check this out. Just uh, a little while back, Juanita and Max both got baptized and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Here's Max. Going, we did it. They, they, they decided, hey, look, I didn't know that you could have a good life like this. And they accepted Jesus into their lives. And the grace of Jesus covers over all of our shoulds and shame and guilt. Amen? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. When we begin to value people and we begin to give some of what we have to value others better than ourselves... God can get involved in our lives and the lives of others. And I know this, when we begin to value people the way God values people, we begin to should on people less. And that should be our goal. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for time to just come and kind of get calibrated for a new week sing to you and point our hearts towards you. And God, thank you so much for even examples in the Bible of, of people who lived in the shoulds, who had job descriptions for other people. And God, thank you for the guidance and counsel we can find, especially from Paul, on how we should treat others, putting the needs of others before our own needs. And God, how exciting it truly is to live that way. God, help us to rely upon you and your grace and your kindness. Give us patience with people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.